Hello, thank you for listening today. My name is Greta Harrison, and I'm the host of Born Fabulous. As a preface for today's podcast, let's discuss labels and terms. Steve and Laura Riggio's daughter, Melissa, was born in 1988 and passed away in 2008. During this time, the term mental retardation was used. I know because my own daughter, who is now 18, had this educational label when she was young. In 2008, it was changed to intellectual disability when Virginia started to change its laws. In 2012, the federal government enacted legislation changing the term mental retardation to intellectual disabilities in all federal law. Despite being urged to quickly replace all references to mental retardation, the change was gradual and varied state by state. Many nonprofits use the term mentally retarded as part of their name. Please keep in mind that historical context when listening to this podcast. And now, on to Steve and Laura Riggio, our featured guests on Born Fabulous. Please enjoy this introduction song, Love is a Potion. Melissa Riggio wrote the lyrics, Rachel Fuller wrote the music, and sings this beautiful song. My name is Greta Harrison. Welcome to Born Fabulous, the podcast where we speak with parents, families, and accomplished individuals who just happen to have disabilities. You're about to hear part three of the conversation with Steve and Laura Riggio. They are the parents of Melissa Reggio, a shining star who accomplished more in her 20 years than many do in a much longer lifetime. She was a published author and wrote the lyrics to two beautiful songs you hear at the beginning and the end of this podcast. She started a social group for her peers. She had the same dreams as her siblings and wanted to drive, go to college, get married, and have children. She wanted a life like yours. Melissa had leukemia and was taken from us too soon in 2008, but she graduated from high school, fully included, and received her diploma. She was and continues to be a role model for many, including my family. The Riggio family continues her legacy. There are four episodes. I hope you will hear them all. The Riggios have made great changes for all of us and continue to brighten our world every day. Let's start with the article she wrote for National Geographic Kids. Can you tell me the story about that? What, what, what inspired that? How did that happen? Well, Melissa, as she grew into her teenage years, um, became a widely respected self-advocate. Um, I, I think that article was written after her songs were recorded, right? You know what? I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at the dates. But um, I think h- how she ended up well, she, she being, got, like, yeah. I think, I don't know if it was AHRC or NDSS. Yeah. I, I guess National Geographic had wanted to do a story. NDSS yes. had, uh, they wanted to do a story on, um, you know, someone, I guess, with Down syndrome or with a disability. And so they contacted NDSS. Did they know of anyone who, you know, they felt would 
be willing to do that. And so they had called us. We asked Melissa, you know, this uh, magazine that's for kids wants to do an article on, you know, someone with Down syndrome. Is this something you would like to do? And she said yes. And so we met um, the writer and uh, she came to the house a couple of times and interviewed Melissa. She actually went with her one day to school to see what her schedule was like and, you know, what her interactions daily were. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a beautiful article. I mean, I feel like Melissa just cut to the chase and just said, uh, you know, know me before you judge me. And I, I just feel like all people with disabilities or people that are in, different in any way would stand behind that. Um, I think when something is new or unknown or different, people kind of, some people get really nervous and are not um, you know, suspicious of it. They don't know how to deal with it. But given a chance, um, people with disabilities, and this article shows it, are just like you and me. You know, I mean, Melissa had all the same hopes and dreams that her sisters did. She enjoys all the things that other people do. Horseback riding, cooking, swimming, um, you know, dancing, listening to music, singing, um, well, when, when the article was published, it was such a revelation for so many people. Um, and I think it was the first time that National Geographic had, something. had done something like that. So, you know, we had held uh, hundreds of events in Barnes & Noble around that article, Know Me Before You Judge Me, where uh, the article would be read at uh, a story time during the day and a parent would come and the place was filled with parents and children, not just with disabilities, but all kinds of, and, and they were, I think, the most successful events we ever did in the company, ever. Wow. wow. But wow. Um, as um, I think we're going to talk about her music. Yes, we are. That, that'll be the, you want to, that segue there. Let's go there. Talk about her music. Well, in, in high school, Melissa began to love writing, writing about her feelings, um, writing about things that she was thinking about. So, um, you know, she started writing and then eventually she said, I, you know, I want to write songs, meaning the, meaning the lyrics for the songs. And so I think Steve, you had had dinner with, well, the Melissa just loved, (laughs) she just loved to write. And Laura and I would look at the words and, and, we're just astounded by her ability to express herself in such a um, poetic way. And one day I was having lunch with um, Pete Townsend of The Who, who's, a, as you know, a famous musician um, and a friend of mine. And I was telling him about our family and about Melissa and he said, why don't you send me some of her lyrics or her poetry or her words, her words and her writings. And, and at the time he was with his uh, partner who, who ultimately became his wife. And he read them and he said, um, Melissa's a poet. These words are amazing. He gave them to Rachel Fuller his, his partner, and Rachel said, I think I'm going to put some music behind them. And wasn't shortly thereafter, 
um, a CD arrives at our home with a recording of her first song, The Ring. It was just and amazing. We put it on we, in our family room and we were all around <laughs> listening. And I, we were like blown away by it. And Melissa was like so amazed. Well, she was so amazed, but then she looked at me and she said, you know, dad, I wanted to sing it. So <laughs> it just shows that how much um, ownership she had to her own words. Uh, and then Rachel went on to uh, record another song right. of hers. But um, she did get a chance to sing it. Um, and she did, yes. It was like National uh, Down Syndrome Day. And um, we were in the store. Was it in the store here with yeah. the center? So, right. And, you know, we had some activities planned. And we were there as a family. Rachel came. Uh, Pete Townsend came. And right. Rachel played the piano. And they actually sang it together. At first, Melissa was, like, really shy about it. But then she just threw herself into it. And then by the end, was so, signing CDs. What, what was amazing about the whole, I guess, turn of events is that uh, as a young teenager, I became uh, completely uh, in love with the music of The Who and Pete Townsend, who's a uh, titanic genius and one of the greatest songwriters of the 20th century. And for him to tell me that my daughter is a poet, our daughter is a poet, um, some 30 or 40 years after I first heard his music was, uh, I guess, one of the most amazing things about my life. And to see her words acknowledged by him as being brilliant and then recorded by someone. Uh, and many people have told us over the years how uh, moved they were by her words. Um, uh, Paul Simon told me once that the, the, the words were otherworldly. So it, it's, it's, wow. quite, it's quite um, amazing. And it's never quite sunken into me, frankly, of how, uh, how much talent she did have. And sometimes we, we look through her writings as we have them here, and it it it, it sometimes brings brings to my mind what could have been, um, and what more she could have done. Um, but it was a it was a wonderful moment in her life. It was a wonderful time for our family. Uh, her her sisters Laura and Christina, uh, who we haven't talked about yet, um, are beautiful and talented and we're so supportive fantastic young women now and their lives of course have been touched by having a sister with down syndrome and you know having been proud of everything that uh their sister ha has accomplished and and of course it's difficult for me to know what it's like to have a sister with down syndrome especially what it's like to have a sister that one has lost to have, you know, that had Down syndrome. We, we are parents and we have that unique perspective, but uh, our daughters um, have something inside them that I guess we, we can't explain because th that's only what they know. Yeah. I mean, they were, as Melissa was growing up, they were wonderful sisters. Uh, right. Um, 
I had decided when we had Melissa that I wasn't going to um, name what she had to Laura. I kind of just said, you know, Melissa's going to have to go to school earlier than you went because, you know, she needs extra help learning things. She'll learn everything you do and we'll do everything you do, but it's going to take her a little longer. So we're going to put her into like a program where they will help her. And that was fine. And then, um, you know, Laura never questioned me about it. She just fully accepted her and loved her as a sister. It was like really important to me that she see her just as her sister before you introduce anything being different. And so when she was about five, I had come across uh, a really nice book that kind of explained Down syndrome, but in simple terms for siblings. And so I had read it to her. And then I remember when she was like six in first grade, her saying to, I don't know, one of her friends said something about Melissa and Laura goes, she has, I think the book said there's 46 chromosomes. She said she has 43 chromosomes, but she's going to do everything that we do. And I I remember like laughing, but being Mm -hmm. so happy that, you know, she didn't know the exact term or how many chromosomes she had, but she, you know, was advocating that she can do everything you and I can do. And, you know, Laura always included her with her friends, whatever she was doing. And the same with Christina. For Christina, I feel it was a little bit harder because as Christina got to be a teenager, you know, she started to, I don't know, be a little bit older. And uh, Melissa would say, I don't want her just coming into my room. She can't tell me what to do. I'm the oldest sister. I'm the oldest sister. Right. it was like a, right. a little bit hard at right. times for Christina. And, you know, I, I felt bad about that. I didn't want her to feel bad or, but, you know, in certain circumstances, she, she knew well, what the, what the better thing to do was than Melissa was saying to do. So it was a little sticky, but we got through that. But <laughs> those are, that's, they were sisters. They were just sisters. Yeah. That's normal. And obviously we've talked a lot about inclusion and the importance of, of having uh an education that gives our, our, you know, our children with disabilities the most opportunity. But because we come from a big family and because we just included everything, Melissa, and everything that we did, um, I don't know if there's been studies showing it, but um, she got a lot of stimulation. And this is a family that talks a lot right. and is lots of parties, lots of family time together, um, lots of singing and talking and loud music playing. Um, yeah, we traveled you know, a traveled a lot. And I, I have to say, um, Melissa not only read at a fourth or a fifth grade level, um, she spoke very eloquently. Her diction was amazing. amazing. People would stop and us. I think that has a lot, my feeling, my opinion, is it has a lot to do with the fact that she was just surrounded by so much activity and talk and stimulation of every possible time type. And I it had to have an effect. Right. It had to. Because remember, you know, if we, if we go back... 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, kids with Down syndrome were institutionalized, you know, and they, they, were, they were separated, and if not outcasts. So 
you know, advice to new parents, include your children in every possible thing that you can, and don't ever, ever put a limit on what you think they can achieve, because at every stage of her development, Melissa exceeded our expectations up till the day we lost her. She always exceeded expectations for sure, for sure. Well, I must, I must say, let's talk about when she was prom queen. Can we do that? Yeah, you know, it was really um, amazing. She, you know, in her senior year, uh, from February on, she was in the hospital undergoing uh, six months of uh, chemotherapy, really strong chemotherapy that she had to, we actually lived in the hospital with her. Each round, I don't know, lasted a couple of weeks. And I think if her counts were good, we could go home for like a week. But if she ran any kind of fever, meaning like a hundred, we had to run back and she would have to, you know, stay in to make sure she was okay. But with the prom coming up, she had wanted to go and she had wanted to take my, um, one of her cousins, uh, my cousin Keith, who's very handsome. And she said, mom, I'm going to ask cousin Keith. So I said, okay, you know, ask him. And he said, you know, I'd love to go with you. And so, um, all the nurses at the hospital were all excited and uh, behind her for it. So they actually made a giant calendar with a countdown to the days to the prom. And um, at, at one point in the treatment when she was feeling good and we were home, I had said to her doctor, could I take her to the mall? I'll go early in the morning when the store first mm-hmm. opens so there won't be a lot of people with germs around. You know, she'll wear a mask. Can we go look for her, her gown? And so we said, you know, sure, just be careful. And so we went one morning and she tried on a few gowns and she picked this beautiful yellow one. And I was like, yellow, Melissa? She goes, mom, I just love it. (laughs) So we, um, I brought it to our our dressmaker in our town and we devised a way to make with, I actually bought two copies of the dress so that they could make like a little armband to cover her spot where she got her chemotherapy and then a headband because her hair had like thinned out, but I had um, a beautiful piece that we could make her hair up. And with this band, she looked like she just had her regular long hair. She was like, just so excited. And in leading up to that, she goes, I really wish I could be prom queen. So being her mom, I was like, oh, Melissa, you know what? Every girl wants to be the prom queen. I said, but honestly, you know, the kids have to vote on it. You know what I mean? We had no idea. We, We didn't. You know, I, I just said, you know what, it, you have a chance like everybody else. I don't know. And then we just moved on. We were in shock when she, oh, actually we knew the day, that day of the prom, one of the teachers oh, that Christina so was in right. said to Christina, I want you to tell your mom that Melissa was voted to be prom queen. It's a, you know, like it's a secret. It's going to be announced with the king, you know. And so it was amazing. They took all these pictures. She came home, like, with the crown. Um, She, like, slept with it for, like, a week or two. It was just amazing. And what was amazing to us is we didn't ask anyone. We didn't suggest it. It literally came from the kids. She touched the kids in high school. Yeah, many of them visited her. They sent posters and little gifts to the hospital when she was being treated. So, um, you know, she did feel that support. And then uh, one other thing about that, for Melissa had always liked to do, like, service. 
So while she was in the hospital, she said, mom, you know, what am I going to do? I wanted to get like an award for service. So we talked to the social worker and I told her, she goes, she needs service. We'll give her service to do. So when people come in and are being treated, they put these binders together. So she actually collated all the sheets into the binders and earned while she was undergoing chemotherapy and sick a lot of the time, she earned all these extra hours of, um, for service. And so, you know, when a few days before graduation, she missed the senior luncheon, but they had some other thing that she came to and the principal gave her her award for the uh, service. So that was wonderful. Wow. When, when she, when she was named prom queen, were you there? No, 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 no. So only her friends and only, uh, you know, my nephew. So you know, she called us from the limousine with the news. <laughs> And she must have been over the moon. Yeah. Over yes. the moon. yes, it was a big deal. Please tell us about the SNAP program that she yeah. started. When Melissa was in high school, like I said, high school is a hard time to really, um, you know, to socialize and be invited to like all the different things that kids do. So she felt that she wanted, I, I, don't, I don't know, to help start, her and Amy started in the Y, this uh, special needs adult program where once a month they would get together and plan like parties, all different activities. And they opened it up, um, you know, and at first there were only, I think, 10 or 15 you know, like teenagers with disabilities that joined it. But over the years, we're still involved in it and it's over 50 now. 50 kids and they socialize like your and party just like your other your teenagers do uh it's a wonderful program and more things like that are needed i feel like you know up through once they get out of school it's almost like you're dropping off a cliff because other kids are going away to college you you lose you lose that network you had right. so more right. programs right. like these right. are needed you know, whether your child goes to post-secondary or not, right. especially if they don't, there's nothing for them. At least that was our experience. So this really kind of filled in, filled in a need, but it was her idea to do it. What was the best advice you ever received? Um, the best advice I ever received. When, well, I, when I joined the Association for the Help of Retarded Children, well, actually shortly before I joined Laura and I met with one of its um, most important uh, members of, of the staff, uh, a legend in, in the disability movement, Jack Gorelick, and uh, who's now- um, 92. I think he's 92. And actually before I joined the board, Laura and I met with him and he said, um, Listen to the parents, not the professionals. And I think that was good advice. I think also uh, in looking for things to read, uh, several people said to me, you know, read, but don't read anything that was pu published years ago because people had such a limited idea <laughs> of what people with disabilities could do. Mm -hmm. And so I was really mindful right. of that when I was like reading. Um, another thing when Melissa was first born, um, someone that, uh, does a lot of, um, like work with, uh, 
people with Down syndrome, babies especially, a doctor said, if you yeah. can give her extra speech, you know, I would recommend that. Right, right. I think right. at the point she told right. us that Melissa was maybe like one years old. And so we always right. uh, gave her like extra speech in our house. Um, yeah, those early years, uh, early years, early weeks, months, I think Lauren recognized immediately that they were so important. And I certainly can't prove what we did was effective, but, you know, in, in specific, and, but I, I, I believe it. I believe it, that because we started her off at two weeks old and gave her all those extra services uh, that we both fought for, as well as had the good fortune to be able to afford, um, made a big difference. I they think, made a big difference. I think, too, um, I never really, once I knew that's what she had, I kind of never treated her like she had a disability. I was aware, you know, of like her, her limitations, right. but I just treated her like I treated Laura right. and then Christina when she was born. And our families, I would say to them, just, you know, I remember my mom early on saying, oh, you know, I'll watch her, but do I have to do anything special? And I was like, mom, just love her as your grandchild, the way you right. loved Laura. There's nothing special you have to do. We'll take care of that. You just love her as a granddaughter. Right. And everyone right. in our family did that. I, right. I, mean, I had come across um, a, a report that one of my nephews wrote. And he, um, for Martin Luther King Day, they had to write about someone who inspired you. And so he wrote about Melissa. And he just like started saying, my cousin Melissa is this blah, 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 bum. She's done this, right. this, this. And at the end, he put, why am I telling you this? because she has Down syndrome, and that's how it ended. Like, the article was, like, so, like, wonderful and inspirational. Right. And then at the end, he got it. He said, and she has Down syndrome. You know, like, that's how we wanted her to be raised and how we wanted people to see her. Tell me something about Melissa that took your breath away. I, I think... A lot of things did. I think just her determination, uh, like her spirit. Um, I, I thought she physically looked beautiful. She had beautiful hair. Uh, just she's so loving and so honest uh, with her feelings. You know, whether she loved you or didn't like you, she was like honest and to the point. There was like no um, skirting the issue. Um, I don't know. She was breathtaking to me. She was, she was breathtaking to me, and I never got to meet her. Thank you. She, she definitely was. She always, she was, she was. I think I've told you this. The first role model that we had. So, we thank you for that. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Born Fabulous. I hope you enjoyed it and want to hear more. Episode four, the last one in the series with Stephen Laura Riggio, will touch on a variety of topics, including where Melissa is featured in history books. To see more about the Riggios, including photos and videos, please go to bornfabulouspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to Born Fabulous and send feedback. Now enjoy this clip of The Ring. Lyrics by Melissa Riggio, music and singing by Rachel Fuller.
Sorry.